Hello and welcome to Story Untold. I'm Martin Bauman and today I'm going back in the vault to an interview from my earlier days. Charlie Tuna has one of the most recognizable voices in hip-hop. The kind of voice you could hear reading a menu and still have your attention. He's best known as one of the members of Jurassic 5 and Oza Motley, two groups that have seen him traveling around the world for decades. He's an MC, a graffiti artist, a painter, and voice actor. I spoke to Charlie back in 2013 at an old place in London called Hideaway Records and Bar. He was doing a cross-Canada tour at the time, and I was interviewing him for the Come Up Show, an outlet I owe a lot of thanks to for giving me a chance to get my reps in as an interviewer. If you go back to one of the first episodes of Story Untold, I interview Chetto. He's the host and founder of The Come Up Show and a guy that I owe a lot to. So here I was, 20 years old at the time, sitting face to face with Charlie Tuna. We're in the back room of Hideaway and he's eating hot wings while we're talking before his set. I've got my questions lined up on an iPod Touch on the Notes app. I'm all ready to go and my audio recorder craps out on me two minutes into our conversation. And I'm freaking out in my head because it's starting off really good, and I don't want to cut this thing short. But uh, credit to him, he says, well, what about your iPod? And that's how the interview continues. It ended up being a favorite of mine. We talk about everything from his graffiti days growing up in Chicago, to his thoughts on spirituality, to where he's at today. Here's his story. First things first, what can you tell me about the Union Boys Club? Whoa, dude, where'd that come from? Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, north side of Chicago. Uh, I was introduced to the Union Boys Club by a friend of mine. His name is Eric Clay. And this other dude uh, who I've never known his last name, but his name was Eric. Uh, this dude named Dave and this dude named Jay. And they took me up there because hip-hop was, like, massively new. Breakdancing and all that, massively new, like... Wild style and all that stuff hadn't even really, really happened yet, you know, um, or or it just had. No, 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 it hadn't happened yet, and and uh, we didn't, you know, living in Chicago, we didn't know too many people who were involved in the culture yet. You know what I'm saying? And Chicago was like house music central. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the same same um, same enthusiasm as far as like the growing culture of it all like house music was my mom and them music to the to the fullest but it, it became a, a Chicago culture and a lot of you know it was like the norm for anybody from Chicago to be into house music and we was like trying to be a little out, outsider outcast kind of cats and when hip hop came it was just like it was that that outlet so that the pursuit of that outlet led us to the north side and we met some of the craziest breakdance cats on earth, man. This dude named Ivan, I'll never forget, was one of the illest breakdancers I've ever seen, ever. Like, ever. Like, ever. Like, that shit was ill. Some of the shit he used to do back then. And now, nowadays, these young kids can do things that I'm just like, wow. If they could do that shit back in the days when we were young, you know. So, yeah, I, yeah, the Union Boys Club introduced me to a lot of crazy breakdancers. I found there's a lot of Puerto Rican dudes in Chicago that were into, into the, the culture of hip-hop, I guess due to their connections and ties with, like, maybe family members from New York and stuff like that, you know what I'm saying? So I think that's one of the ways that a lot of those dudes were into it before a lot of us on the South Side. So, yeah, that's crazy that you brought that up. <laughs> that's a good story. Back then, there's no Internet or anything. How do you find out about these graffiti artists? How do you, how do you hear about what people are doing... You know, in New York and elsewhere. Well, 
the one lost art that technology has uh, ushered out, in my opinion, is the art of research. It's instant to do now. You know, Google is king. I'm scared of the fucker who created that shit because he is dummy rich. You know what I'm saying? He, and people trust him more than they trust their parents or past experiences. You see what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. we used to go digging, man. It is what it is. It was like, graffiti, what is that shit? Who does it? Go to the library. Um, um, wherever and whatever it's associated with, you go and try to suss out where that is. Record stores. Uh, oh, I heard they be breakdancing on that corner. I, I heard that the, the, the graffiti writer's corner is this train station. And you know, mm -hmm. it was like a treasure hunt, man. And I loved that, man. As a kid, I loved it because Chicago was saturated with gangs and, you know, drugs and pimps and shit. And it was like easy to just get sucked in that, especially from where I, I stayed. So to have something that I was able to occupy my time with. That was creative because I painted, you know what I'm saying? I, it was just something that drove me. So I was like, yo, all I need is something that I can chase after with the passion that I have in me to, you know what I'm saying, to creation. And that's that's what it was, you know what I'm saying? It, it, was, it was it. It was simple as that, you know what I mean? So, so you're in LA at this point. Um, what can you tell me about? I'll fold this open for you. What do these mean to you? These rules right here. This guy is serious, man. You good? You good, man? Thank you. Okay. Rule number one: no cursing. It was the top rule of the good life before you got a chance to perform at the open mic situation. You'd have to sign your name, come up there, and catch the the list being open. Try to see if you could strategically place your name. Hope that they get to you. You don't want to be first, but you don't want to be last. It'll be somewhere in the middle where it's packed in there. First rule that you see, no cursing. Which actually made it so that a lot of these dudes who were really lyrical as it was didn't have to use cursing as a crutch because that was what was happening in rap at the time, a gangster rap rise, you know what I'm saying? So a lot of these dudes were cursing to be cursing, not just like using it as, as an exclamation point, so to speak. Um, so you couldn't curse. Uh, Bless B Hall and her son Arcane Blaze because they thought that shit out and that was real. And I appreciated that. Second, no leaning on the paintings. She had these three paintings of like some zoo safari shit, a, 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 a zebra, a fucking giraffe. And, but don't touch my paintings. It was one of them things. Don't lean on them paintings because if they fall, you know I'm gonna be <laughs> mad. You know you ain't want to make this old lady mad. She's a sweet lady, but you ain't want to make her mad. You know what I'm saying? Uh, three. No miggities. Miggities at the time came about. Dos Effects is uh, definitely responsible for that. That style that they had where they were putting the, the iggity sound in between each word. Um, sometimes using it as a crutch. Once again, that was the whole thing about the good life. You didn't want to have anything as a crutch. You wanted to be as free flowing as, as jazz used to be. You know what I'm saying? That was the whole like point. So, cats were easily. Uh, and readily available to link on to <laughs> any new trend that was coming out with rap. And when Dots got big, quickly everybody's raps got miggity. <laughs> so Cash was like, no miggity, it ain't happening. Last but not least, no gum. The floor was 
a nice um, hardwood like parquet kind of situation and she didn't want to mess it up. So it's all good, chew your gum outside, but if you coming in, take gum out your mouth. It was, it was cool respect, man. It was like like school respect almost. That's why I always call good life my, my, my college years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? For real. And people followed the rules. Yeah, they did with no problem. And when you fucked up, you cursed, out of here. You know what I'm saying? They had a chant, please pass the mic. They would chant, they wouldn't let you finish. The plug would get pulled on you, all kind of stuff. So how did you come to learn about good life in the first place? Hmm. Interesting story. A friend of mine, was actually a friend of Cut Chemist's at the time. His name was St. Mark. He's a rap dude. I love that dude to the death. He um, used to tell us about it. He's in a group called Dark Leaf. And he was always telling us about this open mic spot we should come check out because we were trying to spread the word of the unity committee this is before it was a drastic anything so um one day he took mark seven down there and i just remember the next day i saw mark seven he was so blown back by what happened and so inspired that he was like yo we gotta go down there we gotta go down there so we sat around with uh darkleaf the group darkleaf it was three of them at the time and was like contemplating our like arrival at the good life. So he's like, we should go down there and really like make a stand and do something really dope. So we wrote this song called Shoes and the, sh and the song is about how you can judge a woman's perspective from the shoes that she wears. <laughs> it's just, you know, some old young shit, but it was dope. And uh, Cut Chemist did the beat and everything. We put the song together and we went down to the good life and performed it and the rest was history. You know, everybody thought we was this humongous conglomerate crew like Wu-Tang or some shit like that, you know, before mm -hmm. it happened. And, yeah. Uh, maybe this is something you might want to come back to later, give it some thought, but um, the best story that you have uh, from the Good Life Cafe. Wow. One of the best is uh, when we performed Unified Revolution the very first time. Nobody saw it coming. At all. Like, nobody saw that shit coming at all. You know, nobody knew that we even knew the Rebels of Rhythm or talked to them like that. So. Song, I love that song. <laughs> so, to show up right on the guest on on the on the list, Unified Revolution. Instead of saying our names, we just showed up like we usually. We're just coming to the Good Life to chill and, and watch. We didn't tell nobody we was gonna perform. We wrote Unified Revolution. Okay, so next on the guest list, we got I guess a new person. I never heard of this one before. Unified Revolution. Unified Revolution. Y'all in the house? And all of us got up on the stage and everybody was like, oh, shit. like what's gonna happen? You know what I'm saying? We did Unified Revolution and the rest is history. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? For real. Uh, does, the, does the venue Rodolfo's have significance to you? Hell yeah, hell yeah. Rodolfo's is the place that was right across the street from my, my, my apartment that I lived in for all of my high school years. Oh. It was a Spanish restaurant, but it was the birthplace of a of a, a series of shows called The Rat Race that that introduced us and the Rebels of Rhythm as performing together. It was the first time we performed together, not together as a group doing a song or what have you, but more like we were all on the bill together and we like vibe so tough. The way that they set it up, they wanted to have a band. Um, 
play for every group that was performing. So we all had rehearsal times, and it just so happens that the Rebels of Rhythm and the Unity Committee had their time together. Spending that time together, we saw we had like minds, man, and wanted to vibe more. But we had met them before at The Good Life. They had performed this song called uh, The Rhythm, and it just blew us back. Like, these motherfuckers are different from everybody here. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, Rudolfo's is the birthplace. If you heard any Jurassic albums, there's a the intro where there's a, a guy going, if you have a white Cadillac, you need to move it. People are trying to leave. That's our brother, Big Bigger B. Rest in peace, to Bigger B. And that white Cadillac that that needed to be moved was Cut Chemist's mom's Cadillac. <laughs> so you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That place has big significance to us for sure. Uh, I've I've heard kind of hintings of this story, but I haven't heard the full details. Uh, so you're on the on the road in England, and uh, you're locked in a hotel room with Grandmaster Kaz, Daughter Rock. I forget the other one, uh, but but if you can K. fill me in, Special K. And Charlie Chase. So, so tell me that story. Okay. Okay, so Fresh 97 is the name of the festival that we played. Very first time we ever left the country. Uh, it was, a, it was a, 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 a combination of every aspect of hip-hop. Graffiti writers from everywhere. From everywhere. You know, MCs from everywhere, breakdancers from everywhere. You know, every, all the elements were represented. One big show. <coughs> big up to Mick Fresh. Mick Fresh from Fresh 97 in England. He put it all together. Called us, which is crazy, because of Unified Revolution, which was crazy. Mm -hmm. We had every song that you, that you hear on the first EP. That's all we had. Nobody knew nothing about those songs. They only knew about Unified Revolution. So we go there, and there are the, these dudes called the Old School All-Stars. I think that's what they call themselves. Something like that. She's like, who that is? So the first night, it was Grandmaster Cass. He DJed an MC and killed it, yeah. like murdered it. I was like, this motherfucker is hard, man. I love Cass. The next night, it was Kaz, Dada Rock, you know what I'm saying, uh, 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 from, from Fantastic. So Kaz was from Cold Crush, Dada's from Fantastic, Special Case from Treacherous 3, and Charlie Chase is the DJ, you know what I'm saying? So it was like a combination of all the old school groups, and they were doing these routines that were blowing my fucking mind, blowing my mind, dude. It was crazy, right? Well, uh, we performed that night too, and, uh, they were tripping off like how we kind of like are paying homage to them by doing these routines and shit like they was like tripping. And then when we did Unify Revolution, the whole crowd went crazy and they did too. And they were just like, yo, these dudes are fucking dope, right? Mm -hmm. Which I thought was amazing because Grandmaster Chaz is one of my favorite dudes of all time. We all in the same hotel. I get a call in my room. It's Grandmaster Chaz. He like, yo, got some trees. Come to the room. I'm gonna smoke. I wanna holler at you. Tell your boys, man, call all your dudes, man, all of them. Come through, man, I'd love to build with y'all. We was like honored, like hell yeah. yeah. Get to the room, walk in, Kaz opens the door, we walk in, the door closes behind us. Dada Rock's behind the door, he closes the door. Bam, locks the shit and puts a fucking bed. He pushes the bed in front of the door. Wow. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? Kaz goes, sit down, all of y'all sit down. First of all, I enjoyed, he was like, we enjoyed the shit out of y'all show. Everybody sit down. 
We got some shit to talk to y'all about. Everybody's like, damn, okay, okay. We sat down, rolled up some trees, and he commenced to breaking down their history, all of the things that they did right, all of the things that they did wrong, all of the things we should and shouldn't do, all the things we need to recognize as they come, all of the things, you know, all that shit. He laid it all down in front of us. And some of this shit we listened to, some of this shit we didn't, you know, and, and we broke up, I, in my opinion, because of some of the shit we didn't listen to. But it was just crazy, man. It was like, yo, we just got kidnapped for hours. Not for hours. like, you know, yeah, like wow. four hours, three, four hours. The sun came up. That's how, you know, serious it was. I was just like, damn. I'm sorry, my nose running from these hot wings, but, but yeah, man, like four hours. It was amazing. One of the most amazing times I think I can, you know, just history, history wise. Like, what have you done? You know, hip hop wise. Oh, I mean, tell you, this happened. You know, that's one of my my hip hop stories for sure. Uh, I asked DJ Newmark the same question. I'll ask you the same thing. Uh, what What will you cherish most about Jurassic Five and your time with the group? I'll just cherish how it affects people. You know, um, this was something that we stumbled on. And for people to hold it so dear to their hearts is amazing to me, and I'm honored to be a part of that. Simple as that, you know? I feel like a vessel in that in that sense. It wasn't something that I, we plotted out to do. We're gonna change the rap game, or we're gonna be this different alternative. We, nah, we was like, let's make some dope music. And all of us thought about hip hop in the same way. So the songs came out the way that they did. And they still come out the way that they do, you know what I mean? because of our like-mindedness, but it was never a thing where we sat and plotted on being this thing. It just happened the way that it did. I mean, there definitely was some planning in corners here and there when the opportunities presented themselves, but I'm just saying as far as like an overall plot and plan, this is where we're going from A to B. It wasn't like that at all. To me, this is all an honor and a blessing, you know, to be a part of, you know? And like I said, I, like I said in that song, I'm just one sixth of it, you know what I'm saying? It's not. I'm not the end all be all to none of that shit. I'm just a part of it, and I love being a part of that boat ride. That was that's that's a crazy yeah. thing. So, yeah. so I'm, I'm going to be paraphrasing here, but uh, basically this is a quote of yours from an interview, um, saying that I believe if God wanted every man to be a Muslim or to be a Christian or to be a Jew or a Buddhist, uh, then they would be that way. Yep. Uh, can you elaborate on that thought? Well, I just feel like you know, if you believe in a higher power, then you believe that He has power over all things. And if you believe that he has power over all things, then you have to believe that if it was his will for, for the, his creation to be a certain thing, then they would be that thing. You know what I'm saying? So for us, you know, and there's many instances in every monotheist religion, and I believe, I want to say, but I'm, I might be speaking out of term as far as the things that I know, but I want to say every God-based religion, there is a, a, a situation where it's explained that we're, we're supposed to learn from our differences and not separate because of them. You know what I'm saying? I mean, for instance, like, Jews and Muslims, okay? If you trace it back to family lineage and blood, you, you then you're going back to Abraham. If you're going back to Abraham, then that's one man, not two people. That's not a separated thing at all. We're family. So if it's a family thing, it shows you that everybody ain't supposed to be one thing. You know what I'm saying? Same way with like, like, like Christians, Christian-based countries like, you know, Canada, you know what I'm saying? America, man. I mean, we have a way of even separating ourselves within those things. 
And to me, it's like it's like the differences are not supposed to push us away from each other. It's supposed to teach us about how we can respect each other's space to get along. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, okay, you you're allergic to peanuts, but I love peanuts, right? So I'm like, if I eat peanuts around this dude, I can really hurt him, maybe kill him. So my sacrifice to you is that that's not happening around us. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's a respect factor, a space. You know what I'm saying? You gotta respect the next man's space because we only we. That's the one thing we limited on this earth with is space. You know what I'm saying? We got more people, less resources, less land, more water. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We got all this. That's that's stopping us from really gluing humankind together. I'm thinking. You know, some alien shit might bring us together as, as one or whatever. But other than that, it's like it's easier for a person to to. I say that in the show. It's easier for us to fight than it is for for us to coincide, and that sucks in itself. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, what what about the term dawa? What does that mean dawa, to you? Dawa. Dawa means is, is 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 the spread of the word of God. You know what I'm saying? And 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 that that is not a, a limiting statement. It's not limited to Islam. It's not limited to Judaism, Christianity. It's not limited. Dawah is the spread of anything that can bring you back to God. It, there is a term in Islam that says uh, Allah Wailam, which means from God to God. You know what I'm saying? Like you on a journey from God back to God. You, you born, you're going to live this life, you're going to experience all this, shit, and then you're going to die and go right back. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that's the, that's the mind state. It's like. It's more about the journey than it is about the destination. You know, you know where you're gonna be in the end. We go, we all as human beings are gonna perish. We're gonna die. We're gonna take our last breath on in this plane and see something else. We can disagree about what that something else is. You know what I'm saying? But in the end, it's like still something that we all share. And I think the belief systems that are laid down should be something that at the very least displays a, a unification process between the living you know if you don't you know because i i don't even i don't even uh separate myself from like like the atheist thoughts it's like mm -hmm. dude if you if that's how you believe you know what i'm saying some people say nature some people say the higher power some people say the most high the grand architect the blah 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 but you know what i'm saying we say god we say allah we say you know what i'm saying it's all these different names for this one thing we all talking about we all talking about the exact same shit and that's the beautiful part of it for me now, now that we've done all this reminiscing and looking at other different concepts, uh, let's talk about Against the Current. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> what Can you kind of explain the, the, the theme of Against the Current to you? Well, uh, Against the Current came about, man, my father got sick. And, and it was around the same time where I was looking at how music was changing. How the kids and, and the style of hip-hop that they were listening to was, was consuming the overall picture and not, and not leaving room for people to like look back in my opinion. So you had a, a generation of kids who don't know the, the life without the internet. I was talking to K.O. about this, about the internet. You know, they, they don't know life without internet. They don't know life without Google like we were just talking about. This generation gets into a music that they call hip hop. Really, we talking about rap and, it, and, and one aspect of hip hop that got super famous and could be distorted in different angles depending on how you look at it, you know what I'm saying? But they just know that part of it. To them, that's hip-hop. You know, it might be some dress, cold, this, that, and the third, but to them, what, what is popular at, the, at that point is hip-hop. 
And I remember in our in our origins, what was popular was what we strayed away from. You know what I'm saying? So there's a whole other story to that. I'm neither confirming or denying whether I like <laughs> you know what I'm that aspect of shit. I'm just saying more so. What is what what is floating around is 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 catered towards those people, mm -hmm. and so I think in that thought process, I had to excuse it because I remember accepting hip hop for what it was, and then and and what it was was catered to that generation. It was made for the generation that that it was born in. I remember seeing how we were affected by going to a the the, the Fresh Fest concert and seeing Houdini and seeing Run DMC. And hearing all these screams and kids tripping and trying to dress like them, and then seeing how this music affects the kids now. People want to dress like Drake and want to be like Lil Wayne and this and the third. And I can't, I can't hate on it because it's it's the music of those kids, you know. Like most Def say, if you want to know what the future of hip hop is, then look at what the future of the people is. And I feel like a lot of these kids are the the effect of a generation of cats that came out of like our shit, you know, from crack and all of that old other stuff. And there's a lot of cats whose attention, just I think because of technology too, there's attention deficit. You know what I'm saying? Cats are like, you know, on to the next shit real quick because of these phones and, and the internet and such, you know what I'm saying? So I just think that there is a way to, to subtly help them look back to see what it was so that they can make their own decisions from a more informed perspective and not just jumping on what's popular. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's kind of my mission. I'm an old dude, man. I'm in my 40s. So I'm, I'm like, I got to, at the very least, talk about what I know, which was, you know, like I said in the song, seeing hip hop escape from New York. You know what I'm saying? I saw that shit. So I want to spread what I learned. You know what I mean? One of the things that amazes me most about the EP uh, is just how you're back on that. Yeah, I'm sorry. Against the current. Yeah. Yeah. So all that shit came about because I saw how people were consuming music. I saw them. Instead of going to buy records and, and places, you know, I seen all these record stores being shut down. I seen CDs be pushed to, to Best Buy and not, you know, CD stores and shit like that. It's beautiful to see this place still open. Yeah. I walked in, I smelled wax. I'm like, oh, it's beautiful. It smells great. So seeing that, I said, instead of trying to put out a full-fledged album, I'm gonna use the EP route to to show my truest fans all of my inspirational points, all of the things that inspired me as a musician. And the end result will be a, a, a coffee table book of all my visual things that I do. And all those, you know, stories that people might not have known from, you know, my Jurassic and Ozo Motley days and pictures that they might not have been able to see, as well as paintings, as well as photos that I've taken lately. And, you know what I'm saying? Just something that is for the fan. You know what I'm saying? And not just like anybody. Anybody could pick it up and that'd be beautiful, but I want to give back to the people who have supported me these whole 20 years. So, so give me a little bit more details about this book and, and kind of the plan for how it's going to look. Well, like I said, it's going to be a coffee table book that is based on displaying my paintings and stuff. You know what I'm saying? But there'll be an, an, a biography section to read about who I am and some of the things that I've done and some crazy stories that you might not have known, like I said. This happened around the time I was painting this painting, around the time I took this picture, around the time, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I always wanted to share my visual art with fans, but it just was ironic, in my opinion, that the music took off 
and is the that the, the way yeah. the outlet to bring it bring people to this is so I was like okay well let me use the music as commercials to get to this book mm-hmm. you know so yeah and I it, and I always looked at it like this whole big old picture like then that'd be dope people can walk away with just all of this stuff and you know what I'm saying that are true fans and feel fulfilled with you know with the music that they get so Is that photography too in the book yeah. um so getting back to the EP then, one of, one of the things that really interested me is just how many styles you're drawing from. You know, you have something like a reggae, to soca, to dubstep, to just traditional hip-hop and all of that. Uh, what made you want to tackle all of these themes? Um, like I said, my father got, had got diagnosed with cancer, eventually passed last year, September, 20, September 2nd. And I just was reflecting on all of this sh- that he inspired me with, man. You know what I'm saying? Sunday mornings, him and my mom would get up and clean the house, man, and play music. And it was not limited to a style. My pops and my mom's are products of the 50s and 60s, so they were about to change, in, you know, African-American change in America and all of the music that was produced because of it. You know what I'm saying? Um, he, was about the reg- he was about reggae music to the max. He was about salsa and, you know, the Fania All-Stars. and like, He was about all of this sh- man, and it was crazy. That indirectly, I became a part of that stuff, you know, collaborating on songs and stuff. Years later, I didn't plan. That's what I'm saying about yeah. planning this. It's crazy to me. So, making those connections in my head, I was like, yo, I'm gonna use that as the basis of all of this to to just display my influences, you know, in the, in the best way to honor my father. And that's kind of like where it all came from. Yeah. Uh, now you mentioned that you're, you're you know you're 40 plus. Do you see hip hop as having something a uh, kind of a Something that is for the young people, or, or I don't even, I don't know if I had to phrase this properly, but do you see a point in time where, can you get too old to keep rapping, or is there an age limit to rapping? You gotta ask Grandmaster Kaz that. Yeah. That motherfucker got raps to this day, and I know he in his 50s, you know what I'm saying? So. It's the perspective, man. It's the perspective that the, the artist himself or herself holds. And I think health has a lot to do with it, you know what I'm saying? Getting older and stuff like that. But I don't think it's no time limit on it, man. However long you love it, man. You got to think about now hip hop is in its 40s. And so because of that, you look at like rock cats, you know, like Rolling Stones and all these different people who are still around, man, still doing like that. BB King and all these cats, you say, Man, there will be hip hop artists like that one day. So yeah, man, I, I remember it was a it was an issue uh, between like Game and and, and Jay Z about you know Jay Z being in his thirties and you know what I mean? all this kind of crazy. That, you know, what I'm saying Ten plus years ago. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So that that, that produced the twenties, the new thirty, thirties, the new twenty, and all that old stuff. So it's just one of those things. It's like I think that eventually we'll get to that point where mm-hmm. we'll have older artists still doing it, still killing it, and I hope that that that'll happen for sure. How would you like to see your own legacy in music? Oh, wow, man. I, I love to make good music, man. I, I want to be known and remembered for making some good music and making some uh, some uh, weird choices that resulted in good music. You know what I'm saying? I want uh, not to be... I want for my faults and, <clears throat> and my shortcomings to be overshadowed by all of my successes, you know what I'm saying? And, and and you know, messages of peace and positivity, man. I don't I don't want to be like uh 
you know, somebody that's, you know, when you, when you talk about them after I'm, I'm gone, you know what I'm saying, that, you know, more negativity has popped up than, than positivity, you know what I'm saying? It's basically that, man. My, I got a 22-year-old son, man. I want my legacy to live on through him. I want him to continue on if he, if he wants to do this music because he's talented, you know. But if he don't, you know, at the very least, you know, when he, when people talk about his dad, I want him to be proud. You know, what I'm saying I'm real good friends with, with Damian Marley, and I had asked him. I was like, how does it feel, you know, for for your pops to have passed when you were such a young young dude, but you turn every way you turn, you see him. How does that feel? He's like, it's like my pops is watching me, and that's how it feels. Like I feel like my dad watching me, like. So, yeah. uh, final question for you: If you, if you could offer a word of advice to somebody coming up, just starting rap now, uh, you've had a lot of perspective over the years and, and can draw from a lot of experience. What would that advice be? Well, the biggest thing is to find your niche and stick to it. Stick to your guns. You know, whatever that niche is. I used to be so anti certain aspects of this stuff. And I think my anti-ness got me to the point where I'm at. But as I got older, I started to realize that in the end, it's all artistic expression. So you have to be able to allow the outlet for that at the very least. So I feel like anybody that's coming up, man, first and foremost, learn about the origins of your craft. No matter what it is, you know, if you're going to DJ, if you're going to MC, if you're going to break dance with graffiti, if you're going to be a fucking nine to five, just regular dude, Learn about the origins of your craft so that you can better or you can be more efficient when you when you when you practice it, when you're doing when you when you applying what you learn and what you know, it'll be just that much more better you know, informed. You you'll be more informed, the experience that you'll you, you can learn from it. It'll it'll just help. It'll help. So I say learn your craft from every aspect from the beginning to the end of it and then you know within that you'll find who you are within it and once you find who you are stick to your guns stick to it as that that's it for the show thanks for listening and i hope you liked it if you want a transcript of that conversation head over to the comeupshow.com and search for Charlie Tuna. If you enjoyed the show, you can do me a favor, hit subscribe, rate, review, and pass it along to someone else who think might enjoy it. And if you want to keep in touch with the show, a couple things you can do. It's on Facebook at facebook.com slash storyuntoldpodcast. You can also send me an email at storyuntoldpodcast at gmail.com. Theme music for the show is by Dr. Turtle off the album You Um, I'll Ah. Once again, I'm Martin Bauman, and this was A Story Untold. See you next time.